0: In April 1972, he became the youngest person ever to walk on the moon, a record he still holds to this day. Just three years prior, he served in a critical role as part of the mission control team for Apollo 11, and he was later a member of the backup crew for the ill-fated Apollo 13. But in the heyday of NASA's lunar explorations, he would eventually get his own shot at walking on the moon. Hello, I'm your host Paul Thies. As we close in on the 50th anniversary of the flight of Apollo 16, it was my privilege to sit down with General Charlie Duke, Lunar Module Pilot for this historic flight, to reminisce about his three-day excursion to Earth's farthest shore. Well, General Duke, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a real honor. I've been following the Apollo missions since I was a little boy. Uh, I think I even told you I had, a, um, I had one of those Ravel uh saturn V model rockets i don't know how many pieces that thing had but i would just spend hours trying to put that together and just uh you know dreaming about going to the moon so being able to to speak with you today about your experience i can't believe we're we're about to celebrate the 50th anniversary this year just in a few short months but it's a real honor to uh, to sit down with you today
1: good i'm glad to be with you
0: paul thank you sir you know as i was uh going back and, and looking at all the, the great history and the rich history of the Apollo missions, we'll go back to uh, obviously Apollo 11, the milestone mission uh, landing on the moon. You know, prior to your own flight on Apollo 16, you served as the CAPCOM or capsule communicator for Apollo 11. Now, for the audience at home, the CAPCOM is the communications point of contact between the astronauts in space and mission control on Earth. And, you know, before the Eagle landed, they had to deal with a navigational computer alarm, and they ran low on fuel. Can you speak to your experience as the Capcom on Apollo 11 during what must have been some pretty tense moments?
1: Well, uh, that's perfect description, very tense. (laughs) Uh, As uh, we started down, everything looked really, really good when we started our descent, and then we had a communication problem. And mission rules were you couldn't lose communication for, let's say, 30 seconds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you would have to call an abort. So we had to reorient the spacecraft. Then our computer started acting up, computer alarms, 1201, 1203.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But fortunately, the uh, the guidance uh, controller uh, recognized those alarms with his support crews and support in the back room. Uh, they hollered out almost immediately, we're going at alarm flight. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, So uh, I was incredulous. I said, man, I I mean, my tension level was just going up through the roof and I couldn't believe we would go on those alarms, but later on, they explained what it was. And Mm so, okay. So uh, then uh, that kept the tension alive because we keep having these alarms. And then at 7,000 feet above the moon, the vehicle pitches down so the crew can see the, uh see the uh, landing site Mm -hmm. and we had them targeted into the boulder field uh which was impossible to land on so neil had to level off i think about 500 feet and he flew horizontally across the moon till he found a suitable looking landing site he had to pitch up to slow down and then come down Mm -hmm. well that used all our reserve fuel and so now we're minimum fuel Mm-hmm. And uh so at uh the the propulsion engineer or controller said uh 60 seconds flight. And I reported 60 seconds to the crew. That means they had 60 seconds to land, or we were gonna call on abort Oh wow. So uh you can imagine attention. The uh then I he said uh 30 seconds flight. So I said, Eagle 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were close, but they weren't on the ground. According to my watch, it was like 13 seconds later, I heard Buzz Aldrin say, contact, engine stop. And we knew they were on the moon. And I mean, the, the, the tension was out the roof. And it was like somebody punching a big balloon that was bursting with air. And it, phew, all it went, and let's say that's like tension. And attention just went out the the room, and uh, we were so excited. And uh, so we didn't have to call that abort because of the skills of the crew and um, the fact that they'd already identified a landing spot and uh, they were coming down. Actually, they had 4% fuel remaining if we'd have called an abort. But that 4% was designed to lift the lunar module up, back up in towards uh, orbit. They would abort stage and uh so it wasn't fuel for landing but uh i think neil 20 feet off the moon uh, you're not going to abort he had the final decision yeah uh so 20 feet 30 feet off the moon four mm-hmm. percent he's probably he would have landed uh, but fortunately we didn't have to violate a mission rule mm-hmm. and, uh, mission was success but i'll tell you the tension as Capcom and mm-hmm. Apollo 11 was higher than the tension I experienced actually landing on the moon. Wow.
0: Yeah. And if you like on YouTube, and I'm sure, you know, there's all kinds of uh, footage, you know, but there's uh, the interchange between you and Neil. And yeah. you're, you're talking about, you know, you've got a room full of guys in here about to turn blue, you know, <laughs> just holding their breath. I can only imagine how tense that must have been.
1: Yeah. Just one more short comment. Uh, Mm -hmm. In Mission Control, you're looking at a little screen. Mm -hmm. the size of my uh, laptop. Mm -hmm. And you don't get all that information, and you'll get the visual cues that you get when you're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. They're landing, and they're looking out the windows. They see the outside. They see all the instrument panels. Uh, They see the uh, computer. Everything is there. And so you continue to you focused on uh, your job, which for Neil, it was landing for Buzz. It was talking him down uh, at the right rate,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, whereas in Mission Control, uh, I, you're just sitting there looking at a little screen with partial information. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, a, a lot different, a lot less strenuous, let me say, mm-hmm. actually doing it than it was uh, sitting in
0: Mission Control. And that's, that's interesting. And that brings me to my next question, because, you know, for Apollo 16, you were the, the pilot of the lunar module. Is that, that's right?
1: That's correct. But that yeah. doesn't mean I was controlling it. Uh, it. I was on the right side, uh, like mm-hmm. a pilot in a, uh, in an airplane. Mm-hmm. The commander, John Young, was on the left side, and we had trained where he would actually fly manually. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a certain stage, down and land on the moon, and my job was to keep him on the trajectory, keep him on uh, the rate of descent, and look out the right side to make sure he's not landing in a big crater that he mm-hmm. couldn't see from his side
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and so it was a team effort uh, and so I was running the systems if we had a an emergency, I would handle emergency he would focus on the landing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, it was a i had a set of controls like in an airplane
2: mm-hmm. and
1: if his controls went out then i was trained to take over and and actually make the landing mm-hmm. but uh we had good gear no no problems and so he continued on just as we trained and uh so he made a fantastic landing it picked out a great spot mm-hmm. and so we were almost dead level when we when we shut the engine down
0: uh so it sounds like uh it sounds like uh training paid off in the And, you know, I was going to ask you, you know, how how was it different in the field versus all the training you put in on earth? And how did the vehicle handle?
1: The simulator and training was what we call fixed base. Mm -hmm. It didn't move. You looked out the window and there was a a TV camera. So as you maneuvered the spacecraft, what you were really doing was turning the camera. Mm -hmm. And so as you looked at the surface, uh, you could fly across the surface, but it was a TV camera moving across, but you're not moving. You're just mm-hmm. looking out the window this, in this apparent movement, whereas in the actual flight, of course, the spacecraft is the one that's moving, not the moon. And so you feel that. And you feel the when the jets fire, you thump, thump. And, and so you get a lot more visual cues. You get a lot more motion cues and uh it's uh, certainly a lot more realistic than the uh the simulator so and you always you're tempted to look outside a lot because it's so exciting man here we come moon mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and uh you want you really want to do a good job but you really want to land too and um, mm-hmm. both in combination uh you end up with success
0: We've got a couple of audience questions that I'll, I'll pepper in. And this first one comes from uh, Warren Marcus of the Philippines. He asks, what were you thinking as you stepped onto the moon? The
1: step off onto the moon was six hours more than that. It was six hours behind schedule,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, more than that. And uh, so we were, we were excited. Let's get out. Let's get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, John got out. And uh, I'm supposed to wait 10 minutes, but I open the door and I start getting out. (laughs) And uh, he, the commander has the speech to make for for the flight, like Neil Armstrong, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a small step for man. And well, John had a little thing about Apollo 16, but my job was just to get out. And when (laughs) I got out, I was so excited, you know, man, I'm on the moon, I'm on the moon. Man, look at that. Stone Mountain over there. Look at the Smoky Mountains, and and I was just enthralled with the view that we had of the tremendous brightness of the moon and mm-hmm. the rolling terrain and the, uh, the clear horizon of the, the the lunar surface, and then the black. You look up and you just, the blackness of space. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't see the Earth from where we landed because it was right overhead. Mm -hmm. and uh and you look up in your helmet you're looking at the top of your helmet so Mm -hmm. we rarely saw the earth from the moon because of our landing where our landing spot was but it's just an excitement it was wonder all thrilling uh excitement all of those emotions that you can imagine it was so like in a much larger scale it was like the first time i stood on the Rim of the Grand Canyon. You know, if you've ever done that, I mean, you're it's a showstopper almost. Well, the moon was the same way, uh, mm. and, and even in spades. And so uh, you never got tired of describing it, looking at it, touching it, driving over it. It was just one excitement uh, after another. And all that time while you're experiencing that excitement, you're doing your job. You know, you got to get to this spot and that spot. You got a checklist about all experiments you're going to do when you get to that spot. And so the you're absorbing this wonder and the beauty of it sort of subconsciously because you've, your focus uh, has to be on your procedures. And to make sure you get everything done and the time allotted at station one and station two. Mm-hmm.
0: And it sounds like you know yeah and you you train for like hundreds or even thousands of hours and various tasks and stuff and i'm sure that that repetitious training over and over just drilled into you probably helped you be able to filter out some of that sensory overload that you must have been feeling but i you know i you spent three days on the moon what was it like to spend the night on the moon i i understand you didn't sleep very well the first night there
1: well we were our, our flight plan originally had us landing on the moon and then getting outside right away, put on Mm -hmm. our backpack and go out for our first exploration. But due to the six hours delay, NASA decided they were going to cancel that first EVA and put it after the rest period. Mm -hmm. So that meant we took off our suits, we put up our hammocks and we climbed into the hammock. Mine went this way across the spacecraft and John went from fore aft. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had, uh, the communications cap on, we call it the Snoopy cap. And I was, and so I was monitoring the radio mm-hmm. in case mission control wanted to wake us up, uh, for a problem. And they had told me, uh, that four hours into our rest period, uh, a master alarm would go off because of a problem with one of our reaction control systems. So, I mean, I'm all keyed up and I'm laying there, uh, you know, and waiting for this alarm to go off. And when it did go off, I mean, I was jumped almost out through the top of the roof. (laughs) It was really loud. And (laughs) so I handled the problem and I told Mission Control, I said, I haven't had a bit of sleep. I'm going to take a sleeping pill. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, they agreed. And so I ended up probably three and a half, four hours sleep. That night. But then, then, after that, we were exhausted. Eight hours in a spacesuit on the moon is hard work. And so, we got out of our spacesuits after the first excursion. Uh, we refurbished everything, got ready for the next day, uh, ate a meal, and then debriefed. And uh, we went to sleep. And uh, I mean, I was like sleeping like a baby the next <laughs> two nights. Uh, it was, uh, it, we were so exhausted. Mm -hmm. So, uh, gravity sleeping in gravity, uh, one, six gravity is really nice. It's not, it's not like you're one G and I weighed, uh, 150 pounds back then. So it's 25 pounds up on the moon.
2: Mm.
1: uh, So you, you know, you get a little pillow in your hammock and you just go to sleep.
0: Mm. So our next question uh, touches on gravity. It comes to us courtesy of the squirrels class year four at Heritage Primary School in the United Kingdom. And uh, the kids uh, in year four ask, how did it feel to have less gravity than on Earth?
1: Well, it was uh, a good deal. Let me put it that way. When I put all my spacesuit, backpack, uh, life support system, what it really was, and all the equipment I weighed, uh, down here on Earth, I weighed, uh, I think it was 165 kilos. Mm-hmm. Or in English terms, uh, imperial terms, it was uh, 363 pounds. Well, up there, that turns into 60 pounds.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so you, you had this lightness as you ran across the moon or you hopped across the moon. Mm-hmm. and uh, But the suit is stiff. And you couldn't bend at the waist uh you could pull your arms up and you could do your hands and all of that stuff mm-hmm. it was it took a lot of work to move the spacesuit, and you ended up in the undulating lunar surface uh you fell down a lot mm-hmm. uh tripped over a rock or you stumbled or whatever mm-hmm. and then you had to it was three push ups to get up uh and uh so you were always Working, but we had trained some 1 6 gravity in the airplane, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we knew what to expect. Of course, we were the fifth landing on the moon, and we listened to every word of debriefing. Uh, we asked the other uh, crews uh, what, uh, what to expect here, there, and especially Apollo 15, because they were the first one with the rover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so we wanted to know all the idiosyncrasies of the rover
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so we spent a lot of time with them uh debriefing them just one-on-one mm-hmm. gravity was uh, the light gravity was mm-hmm. uh, uh very advantageous you could actually pick up the rover it weighed uh, like 80 pounds up on the moon so john could get on his side i could get on my side wow. and we lift it up and turn it around it, <laughs> And uh, we could pick up big rocks uh, that were, you know, maybe 25 pounds down here, but up there only four pounds. Mm. And and so uh, it was a delight to me to work in one-sixth gravity. Wow.
0: Now, um, speaking of gravity, I read where you described the scariest moment of your life was a big jump you made on the lunar surface in honor of the 1972 Olympics. Uh, Now, for the people at home, picture yourself wearing a 300-pound spacesuit and attempting to set the Olympic high jump record on the moon. What happened there, and what did NASA have to say about it?
1: Well, uh, so uh, it was the end of our stay, and uh, we thought of this because it was an Olympic year in uh, 1972. Uh, and, uh, we wanted to do something cute, if you will, Alan Shepard on Apollo 14, hit a golf ball, David Scott had the hammer and feather trick, a Newtonian gravity experiment. And so we were going, well, let's do the Olympics. And so we decided the long jump and a high jump. So we we're going to start with a high jump. And, uh, but we were running behind and mission control was pushing us. So John, and he began to bounce and, uh, I began to bounce and, and when I I jumped, I straightened up. And when I did, the, my center of gravity went back and that pulled me over in a big Fosberry flop, if you will, a big, I was out of control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was the only time I had fear. And, I, and fear is not a bad emotion if you don't panic. Mm-hmm. And so a thought hit, roll right. And I rolled right and broke my fall on my right side. Bounced onto my back and my heart was pounding, but I'm still alive. Uh, You know, I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. I can see out my visor. Uh, The pressure is normal on my spacesuit. John helped me up and I checked my remote control unit. Everything's normal. So I began to calm down. Then I looked up and the TV camera was pointed right at me. And they had seen this high jump that they didn't like at all. And so they got very upset, and uh, specific instructions, no more moon Olympics, guys. (laughs) Get back inside. So we forego the uh, broad jump. Mm -hmm. But you look at the two of us bouncing up and down, Mm -hmm. uh, John and I, we hold a record for the high jump record uh, on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) A, uh, A dubious honor, let me put it that way. But later on, about five years ago, the Olympic Committee and uh, the president of the Olymp- International Olympic Committee gave us a, it wasn't a gold medal, but it was a, 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 an Olympic uh, statue and mm-hmm. uh, with the Olympic symbol on it and said uh, to Apollo 16, who carried the spirit of the Olympics to the moon. Wow.
0: Now, I have seen the video and I've got to say, I mean, you are a one cool customer like your reaction. You're very, you didn't panic. You, you just, you handled yourself very well. You know, if I must say it was, you know, there, there was no, for, I didn't see any trace of fear or anything. You, you just, you know, just handled that. But, uh, wow, that's amazing. Now, not only are you one of only 12 people who have walked on the moon, you're also only one of six people who've driven the lunar Rover. What was it like to drive on the moon and how did the Rover handle?
1: Well, uh, let me, uh, correct that. It, uh, I only incidentally drove the Rover. We had trained, mm-hmm. John would be the driver. He was the commander and I would be the navigator.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had a set of maps, uh, that would get us from point a, where we landed to point B to point C. hmm So I would navigate us. And so as he drove, according to my instructions, I would take pictures uh, every 50 meters to uh, give mission control a look at the terrain that we were driving over because the TV camera wouldn't work Mm. underway. And I, I incidentally drove John, the handle was right between the seats, so he was driving with his right arm. I was on the passenger side, mm-hmm. and I got this camera, and i take a picture. Oh, look at that. And i turn light, and i hit his elbow, and that would foul up his trajectory, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so that was sort of an incidental driving, but uh, <laughs> I, never, I never actually put my hand on the, on the uh, stick, if you will, and, and drove. I could. Because it was right between the two of us, but uh, we followed our training and uh, it was uh, rightfully so. And so anyway, each of us had a a very critical role. I had to get us there and then he had to drive in such a way to uh, follow my instructions.
0: Mm hmm. So this next question comes uh, from Thera Kumarin from the United Arab Emirates. And Thera asks, how did you feel once you had landed on the moon and returned back safely to earth?
2: Well,
1: well, thank you for the question. I was just in the UAE uh, early, uh, late last year for the, at their Dubai air show. And mm. it was a wonderful country. They treated us really well. The landing was uh, certainly really exciting as we've already covered. And when I got back, at, uh, I was very pleased uh, with our accomplishments. Uh, we fulfilled everything on the lunar surface uh, that we had trained for. Uh, so we were very pleased with the amount of rocks. we With all of the things that we were to accomplish, we accomplished. Uh, and so it was a, a feeling, a, a sense of pride and, mm-hmm. uh, and thankfulness that we made it back safely and uh it it was just a an exuberant feeling if you will we knew that we'd done it uh with the help of all of mission control all of nasa the nate everybody that was involved Mm -hmm. and so we're very thankful to be a part of this team that worked so hard there was a movie out now about mission control it said mission control the unsung heroes of apollo Mm -hmm. a very good film and um and it shows all the high mission control save the day if you will on just about every apollo flight hours included Mm -hmm. so uh it was exuberance uh i'm Mm -hmm. back i'm happy to be back but uh i'm ready to go again (laughs) (laughs) i did get put on the backup crew for apollo 17 which is sort of a dead-end job (laughs) they'd already already canceled 18 19 and 20. Mm -hmm. so I said, John, you want to do this? And John said, yeah, let's do this back up. Uh, I said, well, it's dead end. He said, you never know. They might (laughs) break the leg and we get to go. again. And that's true.
0: So um, I've got got one more question. Uh, As a fellow Texan, uh, I'm just curious about this. I understand that you had a country music mixtape made to accompany you to the moon. So I'm just curious what your favorite song from the country music mixtape was.
1: Okay, I did. I asked uh, Bill Bailey, who was a a disc jockey in Pasadena, Texas, a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, Bill, put me some country music together. He said, you got it. So he said, I got the tapes. uh, NASA recorded them on their equipment. And uh, uh, so uh, he said, don't listen to them. We got airborne. So I got airborne. I plugged one in. It was, uh, hey, Charlie, this is uh, Porter Wagner and Dottie Parton. And uh we hope you enjoy our your third with our 30-minute program. And so here we go. And they started singing their songs that were popular back in the 70s. Mm. And so they'd done this 30-minute program just for us. Wow. And then uh the next one was B- Merle Haggard and mm. his band. And they've done 30 minutes uh uh from uh just for us it was recorded just for us wow and uh then uh and i can remember okie from muskogee and uh, a couple others that merle did and the next one i was uh buck owens mm-hmm. he did a 30-minute program for us and uh then uh the last 30 minutes was uh uh Chet atkins and jerry reed and they sang and played and that was a 30-minute program just for us so it was the whole crew and though though everybody wasn't a country music fan they really loved it and how they were telling jokes and
2: mm-hmm. bringing
1: us into all of this so it was very very uh very very special and uh, my neighbor around the uh the corner here in new Braunfels is randy rogers who's a country music uh star this day and uh so i i took the tape over and uh and uh, he listened to it. He said, hey, this is great. Can I write a song about this? So he and Robert Earl King wrote a song called Charlie Duke Took Country Music to the Moon. <laughs> it's really cute. It's about a, out of about a year and a half now, so you don't hear it very much but,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, uh, anymore. But uh, it was really special. And the other two guys loved, uh, loved those tapes. So we had a good time playing those over and
0: over again. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Well, General Duke, I, uh, I really thank you so much for the time you spent, uh, reminiscing about this historic trip and your experience at this once in a lifetime. I mean, this unbelievable experience and, uh, and your service to our country. I really, uh, just thank you so much for, uh, sitting down with me today.
1: Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Love being with you.